Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Revelation chapter 10, and this is as we were closing out last year, it was something that really resonated within my spirit. And for those of you sitting here right now and those listening on our podcast throughout the world, we want to just thank you right now that we believe that this next year is going to be a year of reviving. A year of awakening for many people. That the dreams, your destiny, and even your drive is going to be awakened in 2019. Things you thought were dead and, and, and gone and buried are actually weren't dead. They were planted. They're going to start seeing those seeds growing in your life. And I want you to start declaring and speaking and believing that things you thought were gone, God is going to restore to you in this next season. Revelation 10.5 says this, And I swore an oath to him who lives in lives for an eternity of eternities the creator of heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them now who is it who are they talking about here i swore an oath by him who lives eternity of eternities okay god okay the god god jesus it's it's the one that has no beginning and has no end the creator of heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them No more delay. Everyone say that with me. No more delay. Bow your heads. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As you're seated, turn to two or three people and tell them no more delay. That literally means that no more delay literally means that you will not have to wait any longer or time is up. I believe that things that you have been praying for, hoping for, that business, that family, that house, that car, that education, there's going to be no more delay in what God wants to do in your life. You're not going to have to wait for those things to come about. God is about to bring about a reviving to those things that you thought were dead. I want you to know revive. Everyone say revive. It means to live. It means to be alive. It means to live free from sickness, to live free from discouragement, from faintness, and from death. It literally means to be in life. What am I saying? I love the way uh, from, from, from the movie Braveheart. All men die, but not all men have lived. But see, it's one thing to have a pulse. It's another thing to have a life. And many of us are just going through the motions of life, not putting things into motion. God didn't create you to go through the motions. God created you to set things in motion. And many times in our lives, we are just going through the motion. We're getting up, going to work, coming home, feeding the kids, dealing with things that we got to do, going to bed and doing that cycle all over again. And we're, we're just going through life. We are not living life. God did not come. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and life in what? Abundance. I want to know, are you living in abundance right now? Are you living your best life right now? Are you living life to its fullness right now? Because if you're not, if we still have room, if we still have capacity, then we have to speak to those things and say, revive. I got to drink something because earlier we are on that Daniel's fast. And I just took a handful of almonds for my wife, and there's an almond stuck in my throat right now. It's about life, and I almost died right now. I almost died. It got stuck. I almost, 
what to be with Jesus and see, see my dad as well. John chapter 11. John chapter 11. I want, I want to share this, this story. Many of you know the story of John, uh, of uh, Lazarus. Everyone say Lazarus. What was Lazarus known for? Friend of Jesus? For what? For dying. Really? For dying? For, for being called out of the grave. And what makes it remarkable, there's other people that died that Jesus raised, but we don't know them as by name like we do Lazarus. Why? Because there was a special circumstance about Lazarus that makes him different. And what, what am I talking about is this. I want you to see Jesus gets word from a family that he loves, that he's tight with. They, they, he would go have lunch there at their house. In fact, this is the family where when Jesus went and hung out with them, Martha is making dinner while her sister Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. And she's just listening to Jesus talk. And she's gleaning while Martha's over there cooking. She's getting all the things ready. And she's looking at this girl just sitting here not helping her out. Have you ever felt like someone needs to start helping you? And she complains to Jesus and says, look at my sister. She's doing nothing. She's just sitting there. And Jesus says, Martha, you're worried about a lot of things. In other words, I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you for lunch. But this is important. Your work is one thing, but your worship is more important than your work. Sometimes you just got to stop the work and worship. Sometimes you just got to pause your life and, 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 and get into the presence of God. And so Mary was the one that did that. Now they send word to Jesus that Lazarus is sick. And, and they need him to come because he's dying. And the Bible says that Jesus gets the message, but he waits two days. He doesn't go immediately. How many of you have ever felt like God has let you down because he doesn't respond to your prayers immediately? You ever felt that way? You can raise your hand. I I ain't going to point you out. Really? I'm just kidding. (laughs) We've all been there. I've been there. When my daughter passed away, I I was mad at God. I I was frustrated at God. Have you ever been in that point where you feel like God let you down? That God didn't show up. Listen, I need you to understand, God's big enough to handle your disappointment. Say it again, Pastor. God's big enough to deal with your disappointment, with your your anger, with your frustration or feeling abandoned. God's big enough to deal with it. And when Jesus does show up two days later, look what it says in verse 20. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. She was mad. She's not going to meet him to worship this time. But Mary stayed in the house. Mary's hurt. She knew Jesus was coming. She doesn't come out. Remember, she was the one sitting at his feet. Now she doesn't even come out. She's, you know, I'm I'm mad at God. I'm not coming to church today. Cowboys didn't win, so I'm not going to church today. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break? I'm, I'm sorry, bro. From a Philadelphia Eagle fan. You guys played this afternoon, right? Amen, amen. Um, you win this afternoon, huh? <laughs> what, what's a trip is this, is that she stays in Martha. Now it's flipped. Martha's the one that's going out there to see him. 
Martha said to Jesus, and I read this as her scolding him. I don't know about you, but Lord, if you had only been here. In other words, where were you? If you, if you just had been here, this wouldn't happen. If you had only been here, my brother would not have died, but you, even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Wow, that's faith. I know that God will give you anything that you ask. And he says to her, he goes on, yes, Martha, he will, your brother will rise again. And yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises in the last day. Check this out. She's saying, I know he's going to rise on the rapture, on the, on the resurrection day, at the very conclusion of the matter. Jesus saying, you don't have to wait for that day. The resurrection and the life is standing right in front of you. Now, now you clap, but I don't think, I think some of you clap because you heard other people clapping. You didn't understand the principle. Let, let me share the principle. Let me break this principle down to you. How does that apply to us today? Many of us have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, but you're still dead. You're not living life to the fullest. You're just going through the motions. Everything's falling apart around you. You're just going through life. You're, 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 you're struggling financially. You're just getting through life, and yet you're looking at, but someday... Someday, when we all get to heaven, I'll fly away, oh glory, that when I die, then everything's going to be great. You don't have to be a Martha waiting until the day that you die until Jesus comes for you to live that life. Jesus died on the cross not so that you could go through hell and then get to heaven. He died on the cross so that you could bring heaven to earth. Oh, come on, somebody say Amen. You don't have to settle with what you're going through. That's what Jesus died for. He says, I, I came that you may have life more abundantly. And so he tells her this. She says, I know he'll rise on the last day. And she, he, Jesus responds to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me, believes in me, will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Now, what, what, what's, what's a trip is this, is that through this whole thing, what Jesus is simply telling Martha is revive. He's going to live. Jesus came to bring life. How do I know this? Because every funeral Jesus went to, he messed up. Even his own. Because death is not something God finds pleasure in. God is about life. And so Jesus gets to get, starts move, making his way over there. And the Bible says this. It says that in verse 38, it says, When Jesus was angry as he arrived at the tomb, and a cave with a, and a, cave with a stone rolled across its entrance, the, roll the stone aside, he told them. Now, now, I want you to capture what's going on. Jesus gets there and he's angry. Why is he mad? He's not mad that his friend passed away. He knows that he could raise him. But Jesus is mad because he knows that even after he raises him from the dead, people still aren't going to believe. Yeah. Come on. 
That even after he dies and raises from the dead, people aren't going to believe. That we are such cynics when it comes to the things that God wants to do in our lives. That's why they call us believers. What do we believe in? Notice what happens when Jesus gets here. He tells him, roll the stone away. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested and said, Lord, he's been dead. What? How many days? Now, you've heard this said, if you've been in church for any amount of time, that in the Jewish culture, it was believed that resurrection was possible up to three days. That when you died after day one, still possible. Day two, still possible. Day three, still possible. Day four, impossible. Why? Because after day three, the body begins to decay. It begins to break down. The tissue breaks down. Maggots begin to form and all of the worms begin to eat away at the, at the body. And so there was no belief after, four day, after three days that a body could be resurrected. Now let's do some math. How long did Jesus wait Two days, right? How long was he was Lazarus dead by the time Jesus got there? So even if Jesus had left immediately, he still would have been dead two days. Still would have been dead. Still would have been a great miracle after two days. But what Jesus tells the disciples when he tells them Lazarus is dead... He says, I'm glad for your sake I wasn't there. Now, you're, you're not, you didn't hear that. Amen. I'm glad. He's talking to disciples. I'm glad for your sake I wasn't there. Why? Because whenever God seems to be late in your life, it's because God's about to reveal a part of his character you never knew he had. When God shows up late in your life, where you feel like he's showing up late, it's because God is stretching us to the point that he's going to reveal a part of him that you've never seen. He's going to show a part of him that you thought was impossible. He's going to show a part of his character, part of his identity that you never knew of. And he was going to stretch the disciples. This wasn't about Lazarus. This was about the disciples. Jesus gets there to the tomb and... Martha says, Jesus, no, no, you can't open the tomb. It's sealed. And once you open it, his body, I love the way the the King James Version says it. King James says, he stinketh. That's a Greek word for you stink. Okay? He says, by now he stinketh. Now, now there, there's a stench. He's decaying. He's, there's a, a rotting that's going on in this thing. And I, I want you to notice what's taking place here. This is so cool because, my God, how awesome my God is. Martha's like, no, no, don't roll the stone away because the stench is going to be unbearable. The cave is surrounded by family and friends that are crying, that are weeping at the death of Lazarus. Jesus shows up there. He weeps as well. Then he says, roll the stone away. Get someone to roll. Get 
get rid of the obstacle that is holding back me from being able to speak to Lazarus. I want you to know this morning that before you can revive, you got to remove the obstacles that are standing between you and God. The thing that is that stone that's between you and God. Whatever it is in your life, there are things that are in the way between you and God. It might be a relationship. It might be an attitude. It might be a, a habit. There are things, an addiction. There are things that get in the way between us and God. And Jesus stands there. He says, roll the stone away. And when they roll the stone away, notice what Jesus says next here in verse 43. He says this, then Jesus shouted what? What's he shout? Now, now, scholars say this, that Jesus is in a graveyard. And so he had to call Lazarus by name. Because if he had just said, come out. With a Michael Jackson thriller all over again. <laughs> Walking Dead. Sister Sandra. That show's gotten just, I'm sorry. I used to watch it. Too scary? Sorry for those listening on podcasts right now. Listen. He calls Lazarus, come forth. You're, you're sitting here right now, and you're thinking, well, Pastor Dan, I'm struggling in my family, in my marriage, in my education, in my, in my mind, in my self-esteem, in the depression I'm fighting. I don't, I, I don't have the faith. I, I just don't have the strength to, to get through this thing. Listen, Lazarus had no faith. I'm struggling with my, my God is able to speak life to you even when you have no faith faith and you have no breath if he could call Lazarus out of the grave after four days what do you think he can do with you and you have a pulse you have a desire you have you have a, a push to get closer to God and to do something God is speaking and he calls Lazarus out by name but what I love is this the moment Jesus speaks Lazarus come forth guess what happens all those bugs that had been eaten All the worms that begin to eat the body of Lazarus. All the decay, the swelling that was taking place, the decay of his body. The moment Jesus called his name, every worm that had taken a bite out of Lazarus' body had to vomit it back up again. You're not, you're not, I don't know if you're getting this. They had to give up everything that they had taken from Lazarus. All the decay that started happening in his body when Jesus called him forth. Everything had to be given back. When God calls your name, everything that was taken from you is restored to you. If you haven't gotten it back yet, you need to understand that when God calls you forth, he calls you whole. It would have been one thing. Well, he's alive, but he's missing an eyeball. Left side of his body doesn't work. It would have been a miracle four days later. He's, he's alive, but he's walking like this. And everyone went, wow, that's a miracle. Yeah, it's a miracle, but he's jacked up. Should have left him dead. <laughs> Wow. 
everything had to be given back, restoration. Now, now, chapter 11, verse 44. I want you to see what happens here. Just get the mental picture. Everyone is standing around the opening of this cave. The stone's been rolled away. It's dark inside. And Jesus calls Lazarus, come forth. And all of a sudden, you, you hear this. You just hear the shuffling going on. And slowly, at the entrance of the cave, <laughs> you see this man that is wrapped from head to toe in grave clothes. See, when they died, they, they would take these wraps and they would wrap them all around you to hold the body together, to hold the decaying flesh to put spices inside to cover the, the stench. And they, they would wrap them up nice and tight like a mummy. So when Jesus called Lazarus forth, Lazarus came forth in the condition that he had been placed in the tomb. And as he comes out, you listen closely, many of us, it's just like many of us, you, you've accepted Christ. God's called you out of the graveyard. God's called your name and you've come out of the grave of life and and all of a sudden you have life, but you have a pulse, but you have no life. Why? Because you're wrapped up still by the things of this world, still wrapped up by the grave clothes of this life. You're still wrapped up. You can barely move. Now you can move, but you can't, you're, you're, you're barely moving. Jesus wasn't about to leave Lazarus in that condition. It's not about just getting to heaven. He wasn't going to leave him in that position. See, the goal wasn't a pulse. The goal was life. So I want you to notice the three things that God did. He removed the obstacles. He spoke life. Lazarus, come forth. And that the goal wasn't life. The goal was, or or a pulse. The goal was freedom. Are you wrapped up by something today? God wants to set you free. God wants to, it's not about having a pulse. God wants to deliver you today. My friend, I need you to understand Jesus didn't die on the cross to give us a pulse. He came to give us life. Right now, whatever is going on in your life, notice this. He doesn't, when the word, in the word of God, he says this, loose the man and let him go. Loose the man and let him go. In other words, God, Jesus didn't walk over there and start taking off the wrap off of him. Lazarus, in his condition, couldn't get the wrap off of him. The only way that they were able to do it was what? Brothers and sisters. Who are you surrounded with right now? Are you surrounded with people that will help free you? Or every time you get an arm free, they rewrap you. Come on, yeah. Who are you surrounding yourself with today? Because we need to be surrounded by people that are willing to set us free from the things that are holding us in bondage. Not hanging out with people that are going to end up getting us more in bondage, but people that are going to deliver us from whatever bondage we're going through. We want to be free. We want to not just have a pulse. We want to have 
We want to have life. So what's my vision for 2019? What is it that I'm believing for you? I met with our leadership last night, and I shared this with them. Worship team, if you would help me this morning. I shared this with them. It was simply this. And I've I've been speaking this for years. Everyone will always ask a pastor, Pastor, what's your vision? What's your vision? Because we're here to support your vision. Sounds like a great church member. We're here to support your vision. What's your vision, Pastor? You know what's weird is that from the moment we started CWC, is that my vision has always been to see your vision come to pass. Because if you guys all work to bring my vision about, then only one person has their dream fulfilled. But if I work to empower you to see your visions come about, then we get hundreds of people having their visions fulfilled. You following me? That's why people tell me, Pastor, when you speak, you sound more like a motivational speaker. It's because I'm trying to encourage you, to motivate you to live a better life. Because I want you to live at a higher level. I want your business to excel. I want your family to excel. I want your marriage to excel. I want your, your, your children to excel. I want you to live at a higher level so that you can live life and life in abundance. I want you to do your best. I want you to be the best. So my goal for you in 2019, for this family, more than anything else, what's my prayer for you? What's the thing that I would give my left arm for? Because I want each and every one of you sitting here in the sound of my voice and those listening online, I want you to experience the presence of God. I want you to come in contact with the God that loves you so radically that he came down in the form of a man, gave his life, breathed his last on a cross in order to redeem and buy back the very people that he created for a purpose. I want you to experience, I want you to have a God encounter this year. That when we worship, don't show up late to church. Get here in time for worship. Get here to where you can worship and enter in and experience the presence of God. We want you to have a God encounter. You know what? My words will give you the the ability to take principles and apply them to your life to change them. But one moment in the presence of God has the ability to totally radically transform your life radically like never before. See, I need you to experience the breath of God that he breathed into Adam and gave him life so that you can then share that breath with others. It's time to thrive. What is CWC all about? What's our purpose? Love God. Love people. Change the world. Our theme for this year is revive. Revive your faith. Revive your vision. Revive your dreams. Revive your hope. Revive your people. And revive your world. It's time to bring things to life. It's time to live again. Let your dreams live again. Years ago in Manteca, this was our motto, and this is something that we started CWC based on this principle right here. A church of all races. Someone say all. All backgrounds. 
and all generations serving one God. Our kids are important. I met with our young people just a couple weeks ago and told them, what do we need to do to make our church more relevant to you? How can we make the church not the adult church, but your church? And they started coming up with ideas, shooting off things. They, they want to take over a service. And so we're going to give the, our young people a service on a Sunday morning to do their thing, to share what God's placed on their lives, to let them take over service from the youth to the children. And let, Oh, you can clap better than that. You can do a lot better than that. Amen. I want you to stand to your feet with me right now. I believe 2019 is going to be the year that we're going to, we might not find it, but we're going to locate. We're going to, we might not be in it, but we're going to find our new facility for 2019. We need a home. We, we've been, we've been, I feel like the children of Israel wandering for 40 years. Okay, 18, but we've been, we've been wandering. I believe that we're going to be opening creation of new campuses of CWC as well. We're going to be open satellites. We're going to open up places where we're going to have different campuses taking place. We're going to have an online campus as well. I had an individual this morning tell me, Pastor, we, we, have, a, we have a camera that you know, we bought for our office for exactly that. We want to give it to the church so that you guys can start putting services online. But li- listen, by, by starting new campuses, by having an online campus, by doing these things, that means we need leadership. We're going to need new leadership. We're going to need some of you to step up and step in. And so we are developing a new leadership pipeline here at CWC from our internship to activate to getting people that feel called to ministry and those that are called to business but still want to be involved in ministry, giving you opportunity to use your gifts here at CWC. we got to raise up new leaders. But more importantly, what I feel, this, this is burning in my heart. I've always said a church... That, do, that closes its doors and the community doesn't feel the impact, did that church really exist? If CWC, if we were to close our doors right now and the community didn't feel any impact of us closing the doors, then we really didn't exist to begin with. Because a true church affects its community. Oh, no, you didn't hear me. A true church affects its community. But we're the solution to the problem. This next year, I'm believing for the B Foundation, the Basilia Ecclesia Foundation. Basilia is a Greek word for kingdom, God's kingdom, which is God's total answer to man's total problem. Ecclesia is the called out ones, the church. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Called out ones, they were the ones that would come together and be, find the solutions to any crisis that their city went through. That's what the church was about. Solution, coming together to fix problems. The B Foundation, coming together to solve the problems of our community. 
And we're doing it right now with LOL, with the, with the, the feeding of the homeless. We're, we're doing it right now with the men's home and getting ready to start the women's home. We're doing it right now with our outreach programs, what we're doing at the schools and, and handing out backpacks and, and so forth. But I'm here to tell you that we have to make an impact. What's burning in your heart right now? I'm going to ask the prayer team to come stand behind me. As Troy begins to sing, three things I want you to do, okay? Number one, I want you to identify what obstacle is standing between you and God in living your best life. What stone needs to be removed? Secondly, I want you to say, God, I'm willing to respond to your voice. Speak my name, just like he did to Lazarus. Come forth. And thirdly, surround yourself. Make a decision today to surround yourself with people that will help remove those grave clothes off your life so that you could be free, not just alive. Amen? Troy, would you begin to sing? These altars are open right now. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.